listening to episode 25, chapter 4 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lambert. And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Winfield Bevins is an author, artist, and speaker whose passion is to help others connect to the roots of the Christian faith for discipleship and mission. He is the director of church planting at Asbury Theological Seminary, and he frequently speaks at conferences on a variety of topics and is a regular adjunct professor at several seminaries. Having grown up in a free church background, Winfield eventually found his spiritual home in the Anglican tradition, but freely draws from wisdom from all church traditions. Having authored several books, his writings explore the convergence of liturgy, prayer, and mission. His latest book, Ever Ancient, Ever New, examines young adults who have embraced Christian liturgy and how it has impacted their life. As an artist, Winfield is dedicated to connecting the church and the arts community. He is a visual artist who enjoys painting iconography, landscapes, and portraits. Over the past decade, he has helped start numerous arts initiatives, including a nonprofit art gallery and studio and an arts program in North Carolina. Much of church history is filled with art. If you visit old churches or cathedrals, there's an abundance of artwork depicting events in the past, people from history, and images that are meant to produce feelings in us that bring us to God. Art does something that words cannot in that way. And we can take advantage of that for our daily growth as disciples of Jesus. When we combine liturgical practices and the art produced by the body of Christ, we have a powerful tool for daily growth. In this chapter, Winfield discusses a few of the ways the church has lost the value of art and how we can bring it back and integrate it into our daily lives. What role has art played in your spiritual development? Because art's an interesting area that I think is starting to to make a resurgence. Uh, Again, even in the low church movement that I'm in, um, art is starting to play a a, a real significant role in our lives. And so I want to explore that a little bit. But what has it played in your spiritual development? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, art is kind of a form of, you know, kind of contemplative prayer. It's a, it's a way to just really kind of just enter into kind of a posture of prayer. So a lot of my art is, it's prayerful. It's about prayer and worship. I do iconography, scene, you know, I paint different scenes, I paint saints. And, you know, these are just... Um, the act, uh, I don't mean like the actual images or worship. What I mean is it's an act of devotion. You know, it's it's something that I, I think inter- anything we do prayerfully can be an act of worship or very, you know, I have on my desk a, a card that says, Lord, I offer my prayer as my work and my work as my prayer. And I think we divide, we think of prayers like something we do, you know, a few minutes during the day in private, but you know, Paul says, pray at all times, pray without ceasing. And, and, and so I think finding ways to do things in a way that's prayerful, whether it's walking, whether it's swimming, riding your bike, uh, art kind of has that contemplative element to it for me personally, it's kind of an act of worship. Yeah. And art is a lot more integrated into liturgical worship services. And, and 
how yes. does how does that play a role in helping us connect with the the artwork that's been done there? Yeah, I think one of the challenges of the of the Reformation, and I'm a student of the English Reformation, um, is the Protestants went in the Catholic churches and cut the heads off of the statues, burnt artwork, images. There was this idea that somehow beauty is idolatrous, and um, God is the great creator, and he creates us to create. And uh, I think one of the draws of liturgy is for aesthetics and beauty, and you know, if you think a lot of contemporary churches look like shopping malls or Walmart, or, you know, we have small understated crosses, you know, like, how, how bad is it that we've come to a place where we feel like we can't have crosses in our church buildings because we're going to offend people? Um, that's crazy. The cross is the universal symbol of the Christian faith. Uh, people are dying in, around the world for the cross. And, um, man, we, you know, so I, I think recovering art and beauty and aesthetics help create an atmosphere of worship. Beauty matters, aesthetics matter. If you think of your home and staging, you know, uh, your office and creating an environment to work in, well, shouldn't worship, shouldn't the sanctuary, shouldn't the, you know, the aesthetics of of the building and, you know, we're not worshiping the cross and icons and images. We're not worshiping those, but those become uh, means by which point us to the living God. They, uh, we're not worshiping the image, but the image creates an atmosphere by which we can worship more intimately. But, you know, if you think of like romance, if you think of like taking your wife to a romantic dinner spot, usually the lights are dim. Usually there's candlelit dinners. Um, you'll get roses that are red and, you know, these images evoke romance and intimacy, right? Why shouldn't our churches and the aesthetics of our buildings and artwork evoke a sense of worship? Does that make sense? Yeah. So if yeah. you take your wife on the, you spend, you know, if you take your wife, you get her gifts for anniversary. I just had my 20th anniversary, you know, and like, I, yeah, thank you. That's something to celebrate in today's world. Uh, but if, if you think of like the stuff that I did, I wasn't worshiping the stuff, but I was doing it to honor our marriage, my wife, our love for each other, to create an ambiance and an atmosphere. That's what I think art and aesthetics, beauty, crosses, images can help enhance our worship. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things that I've kind of, I've really enjoyed, we used to live in Europe, and so we've gone to several cathedrals and uh, things like that. I've always admired uh, how the architecture not only was beautiful and and pleasing to look at but the the actual structure and layout of the building was uh intentionally created and designed that way to enhance the entire service and so I, i've loved that that combination and it's always fascinated me that that kind of disappeared after the reformation and i've i've always wondered if that's really just kind of a side effect where we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater uh, as far as Protestants, uh, yep. and said that we're just going to leave, we're going to leave behind 
this stuff that the Catholic Church has done and, and do what yep. we think needs to be done. And we missed out on some of the, the other things. You know, there's a book called The Stripping of the Altar that really talks about this, that, um, you know, if you study kind of that a- element of the negative influence of the Reformation. Now, I'm a Reformation guy, so hear me with, you know. Um, however, yeah, we threw the baby out with the bathwater. And the result of that is is the lack of all the stuff that we're talking about is we've created a pragmatic version of Christianity that does not value depth. It does not value aesthetics. It does not value thought. Um, it doesn't value, um, you know, all these things that the rich Christian tradition has retained, I think we can draw that back. And I think that's what's happening. And that's really what I'm calling for in the book is if you want spiritual renewal, uh, one of the greatest ways to get there is by recovering these things that have been lost. It's kind of like discovering one day you've been a Christian and all of a sudden you discover that you've, you've had this inheritance you know, imagine you've got this rich inheritance that's just sitting in a bank. It's just sit. You've got a vault of just gold. It's a gold mine that's got your name on it. You can claim it. Claim it. That's the name it. Claim it. The name it and claim it liturgical practices. Yeah. No, but I mean, you know, I'm joking with that. But you see what I mean? Like this stuff belongs to us. It belongs to you. It belongs to me. And we can claim that. And I think that's what thousands of people are doing across the U.S. is they're discovering this in a way that's bringing renewal to their life. It's bringing renewal to churches. And I think I think this is bringing renewal for the hope of the future of the church. So what can we do? We have a lot of church leaders people in leadership roles, pastors or staff pastors, whatnot, that listen to the podcast, what can they begin to do to start incorporating some of these liturgical practices into their services? Where would you encourage them to start? Yeah, I I I think the book is a real great way to, I think you got to, this is one of those things you can't just like light a couple candles and, you know, you you need to really wrap your head around why this matters and the theology. There's the the issue with the liturgy and why you have to be careful just cut and pasting is that there's actual theological historic meaning to the structure and value of it. So rather than going in and just cutting and pasting and saying, hey, we're gonna a little bit of this here and a little bit of that there, and it becomes this hodgepodge, well then you've created another kind of bad liturgy, if you will. So I think this book will really help you identify sources, identify what is a liturgy, what's the structure, and then um, pastors, leaders would be able to say, okay, here's how we could take this and adapt it for our context. You know, I'm not saying just go out and, you know, just buy a bunch of robes and, you know, just completely blow up your church and you're going to show up and you're burning incense. That's not at all what I'm advocating. But really, um, I I think the book's a great place to help leaders begin to understand the what and the why and then begin to move toward the how 
question. Start start with the what and the why, and that will lead you toward how to implement, how to begin to uh, implement this stuff into your services. I think that's a great place to end it. So where can people go to find out more about you and your work and, of course, pick up a copy of the book so they can get started on this? Yeah, the uh, you know my website is winfieldbevins.com, W-I-N-F-I-E-L-D-B-E-V-I-N-S.com. Um, I've got my books on there. I do occasionally post on the blog. I've got some of my art. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, very engaged. So, man, I'd love to hear from you especially if you uh, buy the book, read it, have questions. I'd love to interact with you around some of the kind of questions that you might have around it and um, kind of explore some of these a little bit more deeper. So again, find me on social media. Um, the book's available on Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble's, christianbooks.com, Ever Ancient, Ever New, The Allure of Liturgy for a New Generation. And uh, as always, we'll have links to everything in the show notes. So if you can't remember anything, um, you can head on over to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com, click on the link in the show notes, and it'll take you right to the right spot. Uh, Winfield, thank you so much for being on the podcast and introducing us, and I know our listeners, to a, a brand new topic that I think matters a whole, whole lot, because you're right. There is a spiritual awakening and renewal that's going on, and it, it might not look as flashy in some cases as some of the other ones, but it's very real, and it's in. I think it comes down to a call to discipleship like you're talking about. And so uh, I thank you for your work. Thank you. One of the, the, the tagline of the book is I say that um, the liturgy, when rightly appropriated, is one of the best ways to make disciples in the 21st century. And so that, that's a good place to end. As Christians, we are part of a rich history of following Christ. Those who have gone before us have developed proven practices which can help us connect more deeply to God. And we have access to this arsenal of resources. All we have to do is tap into this stream to receive its life-giving benefits. So if you've grown tired of the superficiality of the postmodern culture in which we live, perhaps it's time for you to seek God by connecting to the deep roots of the church. Our daily lives already have a liturgical rhythm to them. So how can we take that rhythm and connect it more to our walk with Christ? How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Winfield and his work, check out winfieldbevins.com. 
If you like what you've heard this week, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player you use. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.